Episode 126 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, then you don't know. No, you do know who I am. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on those social media platforms. And I'll bring your questions, comments, topics, whatever you got to the show. Now, of course, if you aren't a returning listener, but you are in fact new, you don't know who I am, and you don't know that I will be attending the Overwatch League Grand Finals in just, I believe, as of recording, 10 short days. That's right. In uh, in just 10 days as of recording, by the time you're listening to this, less than 10 days, uh, I will be in the great city of Toronto, of course, to witness live and in person the Overwatch League 2023 Grand Finals and see who our champion will be. That's right. Very exciting stuff. Now, if you do, of course, have questions about that, about what it's going to be like, about what I'm expecting, about anything like that, or questions upon my return, please reach out to me over on Twitter at SirDRJM and I'll bring it to the show. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, I also encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything, Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. We're sure to have a spicy episode this week, as unfortunately, both teams were eliminated from playoff contention this past weekend. That's right, we'll talk about it on today's episode, but we'll go more in-depth over on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, as of course, they are your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defined. So, without further ado, we're probably going to have a bit of a shorter show this week, of course, as the Overwatch League Grand Finals draw near. Uh, everything else Overwatch kind of slows down a little bit. Um, I'm sure we may have some announcements about, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Season 7 coming soon. I wouldn't be too surprised if we get some teaser or a trailer for Season 7 during the Grand Finals, because by then it will be, uh, by my count, about two weeks or just less than two weeks until uh season six ends of course so we may get something we may get a tease for the future uh we may not i i wouldn't be surprised if they sprinkle in you know a new hero announcement or something like that because that is of course something that they uh, have done in the past i believe they did that before overwatch 2 dropped um and i believe uh it gets people pretty hyped so in any case let's get on with the show i'll do this alone if i have to all right, so before we get things rolling here, PSA of the week. Of course, I actually didn't confirm this is still on, but I want to mention if you are playing on PlayStation, you should go check out the free Tracer skin available through PlayStation Plus. If you go to the PlayStation Store, you simply search for Overwatch 2 Bonus Pack, and you will find there is a free Legendary Tracer skin. It is the Will-O-Wisp Legendary Tracer skin. Of course, that is the uh, normal Halloween skin for Tracer, which you can claim. I believe you also get five free Battle Pass tier skips along with that. Uh, I did mention that last week. I'm not sure if it's still available, but usually these things are up for a little bit, so go check it out if you haven't gotten it already. Now, aside from that, your PSA for the week, of course, 
is the fact that Overwatch 2 Hero Mastery is out now. That's right. We finally have the uh, long-promised sort of training modes for some of the heroes beyond just the uh, training field, training bot section thing. I forget what you call that little area. But in any case, it is out now for five heroes by the time you're listening to this. Currently, it is four. Uh, previously, it was three, of course. But uh, after the original release of Mercy, Tracer, and Reinhardt, they did release Sojourn, uh, I believe, this past week. And then I think coming out tomorrow, uh, or by the time you're listening to this today, September 19th, is the Winston one. Um, Winston is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, the one I actually had the most fun with was probably Reinhardt, uh, mostly because I'm not a very skilled Tracer Mercy or Sojourn. Um, although the Mercy one, I mean, I talked about this last week, the Mercy one kind of blew my mind by what it's asking you to do uh, with with very little guidance I found. Um, but overall, I think I'm pretty comfortable with Winston, so I'm excited to see just how his plays um, and how tough or not it may be. Uh, along with those, of course, come a limited time, uh, some limited time challenges, uh, event challenges. Of course, you can find them under the events tab, and they are broken out uh, to be, you know, completed for one hero, two heroes, three heroes, agent, recruit, veteran. Uh, I believe it's veteran is the highest one agent recruit no recruit agent veteran whatever there's three different ranks to them uh to each one of course you go in you complete the first one you gain enough stars uh by getting kills by getting these little medallions in there and of course by getting a time bonus for completing in a certain amount of time and that allows you to unlock the next rank and again there are three different tiers for each uh so there's basically a beginner a novice and a uh advanced skill set one um like I say, the uh, the beginner ones, for the most part, are manageable. But for someone like a Mercy, I did find that, you know, just just approaching it from a mindset of okay, what if I'm completely new to the game? I didn't really think it did a good job of onboarding you, which is kind of what I thought the point in these were. I would have, I, again, I'm I'm retreading the same ground I spoke on last week, but I really thought that the idea behind the Hero Mastery courses was yes to give players who are you know skilled at these uh these these heroes a chance to really show off their skill but i definitely thought that the beginner level would be more of an onboarding experience to uh introduce you to the character in some ways you may not think of if you aren't necessarily you know as ingrained in the overwatch community as anyone probably listening to this uh this podcast is um almost serving as more of an individualized tutorial for that character um i i do think i still think that there should be an element of challenge to it there should be certainly be an element of you know if you are very skilled at this character you do this properly and you will get a high score um but i do also think that at the very base level it should be teaching you a little bit more right mercy is the big one that kind of jumped out to me where it should really kind of point you to a path to completion uh to 100 it obviously you would you know cap out on the number of um the number of uh, stars you could get in doing that and following that path. Maybe it's not the optimal path, but it is a path that sort of guides you through using all your abilities. Um, you know, again, last week I talked a little bit about the one section where it wants you to jump off the ground, and the only cue leading you there is sort of those medallions breadcrumbing you down. But then there's nothing to necessarily point you 
where to go or what to do from there. Whereas the point is you're going under the stage, you're supposed to target a friendly uh, robot, training bot, and you're supposed to guardian angel. Uh, sorry, not even guardian angel over to them. Uh, yes, no, guardian angel. Sorry, that is the right term. Guardian angel over to them to collect further medallions and then continue on the path. And you can even do a guardian angel jump, by forward launch, I don't know what they're called, the tech that shoots you forward um, from there as well. And I just really think that the game at that very beginner beginner level should be treating it as if hey i'm going to teach you how to play mercy better than you knew how to uh if this was your first time playing right uh so it, it should almost direct you you know tell you the prompts of what to push or what to do to get you through that and then again not necessarily get you the highest score but show you a path you can take to get through there using all the abilities so that you're starting to understand and then you can practice up even if you're just practicing that path you'll get comfortable with the controls you'll get comfortable with the um uh the abilities her kit and everything and then from there you maybe say okay i understand this now what can i do to improve my own score what can i do to get me past that sort of three star level um and that's when you get into the optimal pathing that uh you know maybe you you figure out as you're uh, more skilled with the character and of course that leads you into the novice and then the expert uh, rankings of these hero mastery things uh so anyways they are pretty cool um i enjoy them but like i say i enjoyed i think reinhardt the most probably an element of that is because it did seem the most straightforward um you know he and the the interesting thing about that is that all the other characters they've released have a ton of mobility um mercy obviously with her glide with her guardian angel with her uh uh, launch forward and her launch upwards from the guardian angel and then of course valkyrie um and then tracer of course with her blink and her rewind uh abilities those are very movement-based characters right um sojourn as well i mean with her with her rocket boost thing uh sojourn less so but even still uh, she has that element to her um because it really does sort of catapult her through the air now reinhardt of course has his charge which maybe equivalent to sojourn's uh rocket boost but still um i kind of enjoyed reinhardt's probably the most because of his limited uh kit there sojourn actually was pretty fun as well um and again i think it's just you know without that mobility the stage i think feels more manageable if i spent a little more time to memorize the stage and really understand all the points and the, where all of the enemy bots are and things like that i might get you know better with mercy and tracer but I just don't care to honestly um and then on top of that winston i'm looking forward to because uh, i do enjoy winston's kit quite a bit um winston's probably one of my favorite characters in the game and uh i'd like to think i'm fairly proficient with him uh even if i'm not playing him too too often just because i do typically play support um you know winston to me doesn't strike me as the most technical uh tank of course there's an element to juggling there's an element to diving and uh doing that with the team in you know in sort of in sync with the rest of your team to stay alive because winston can get nuked if he dives without protection and backup but ultimately um i think i have a good grasp on his ability set and uh yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to winston's dropping so I'll, I'll be trying that out point is there's also the event challenges now if you complete five i believe you get a training bot souvenir for all characters but if you complete eight of these challenges you actually get a training bot uh weapon charm now the funny thing about that is that uh, i know i had talked some smack about the weapon charms in the past because they're uh 
essentially vanity items. Um, you know, and when I say vanity, I mean literally to the point of nobody else sees them. So I don't think they're anything too exciting. Um, when I saw it was a training pod, I was like, I kind of want that. So I did put in the effort to complete eight of these challenges. Uh, the only ones I didn't complete, I think, were were the uh, veteran level challenges on uh, on the characters. So it is possible with the, you know, uh, even if you're not the most skilled, it definitely is possible to get that eight. I believe doing that eight also nets you something crazy like two full battle pass levels. Um, the completion of that uh, complete eight challenges challenge, I believe it gives you 20,000 battle pass XP. So you do get two full levels. And then through doing that, of course, you have earned uh, XP for each of those individual eight challenges as well and a little bit of XP for doing the the Hero Mastery events at all. So anyways, interesting stuff there. Um, get those challenges in because I think once Winston drops tomorrow, by the time you're listening to this, now that Winston has dropped, I believe you have one week left of the to earn the challenges. So Winston is kind of the, the final member of this initial wave of uh, Hero Mastery challenges. And of course, after a short period of time, those challenges will go away. And I'm sure, you know, when they add a new character or a new batch of characters to Hero Mastery, they'll probably, you know, up those or drop those challenges again. But that'll be it for now. And it is, does help to boost you through the battle pass. That's for sure. Um, to me, you know, it was basically free XP. It didn't take me too long to uh, to earn all eight of those challenges. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. Those are your PSAs for this week. Now, let's move on to a little bit of news because, of course, we don't actually really have much to talk about this week uh given the fact that uh, i think we're basically focused on the overwatch league um with the grand finals coming up so soon but that said our two news stories that we're going to cover this week do both feature heavily the overwatch league so let's start things off by heading over to daddysports.com with an article by michael czar posted on september 18th that's right that was today which reads Overwatch League's 2023 playoffs will reportedly be played on controversial Zarya patch. The Overwatch League 2023 play-ins are over, with all the teams officially making their way back home or to Toronto for the playoffs. The happiness that the play-ins teams got by grinding their way to earn a spot is deserved, but a report might make their time in Toronto a lot tougher. The OWL 2023 Grand Finals look to be on the September 7th patch, meaning that the game balance that teams practiced on through the season's end and plans will be shifted, according to a report from journalist Liz Richardson. This means that teams who just completed their plans, like the London Spitfire and Boston Uprising, will have just around a week to practice a new patch before trying to win the most important tournament of the year. Heading into the play-ins, fans and analysts alike were already aware of the problem that September 7th patch created, one of the testaments of the Overwatch League ever since the Season 2's GOATS meta problem was to keep the competitive gameplay as close to ranked as possible, meaning that OWL patches would match what players at home would have. Wow, that was a bit of a wordy sentence. It was never perfect, but it led to more diversity across the season, with each stage of a year usually having a different meta to adjust to. Now in 2023, the meta shifts have been minor in comparison to previous years, though significant enough to cause teams to rise and fall. For example, when Ilari was released, the Toronto Defiance surged from a near-bottom team to just barely losing their chance to play live in Toronto's for the playoffs. On a grander scale, the meta of the Pro-Am seemed to fit the Los Angeles Gladiators very well, but it crumbled when the regular season began. So, 
as the play-in started, people started to ask if the September 7th patch would be in the playoffs or not. If the league were to hold to its testament of keeping the game at home and owl matches close, the Zarya patch would go live. But if you have teams grinding for their spot in Toronto, who will then have to change what got them there in the first place to compete against teams who have had much longer to prepare, especially for a team like the London Spitfire, who are still adamant on running Reinhardt, these tanks changes, these tank changes might tank their chances. Wow, that was a that was a good sentence. Good job, dude. Good job, Michael Czar. These tank changes might tank their chances. I appreciate that. It puts those teams at a disadvantage, but players could also argue that this specific issue is the cost of not playing well enough in the regular season to automatically qualify to Toronto. Plus, it's not like this shift will make all play-in teams worse innately. The Dallas Fuel are a key example of a team that qualified through the play-in system and has one of the best Zarya players in the world, Hanbin, on their roster. It's hard to imagine a team getting worse when one of their star tank players can now play one of his best heroes. The controversy, the controversy of this patch isn't from the amount of changes or the size of the changes themselves. Zarya will be played a lot more, but there seem to be maps where other tanks are still more viable, like Sigma on Circuit Royale, for example. It's just a matter of getting teams who have to fly to Canada to have a good amount of practice time to truly make this tournament of who the make this a tournament of who the best Overwatch 2 team is, not just which one got the luckiest. We've had too many times when the playoffs are on a different patch than the regular season, with the inaugural season as the go-to instance. Fitting that it could be the final Owl tournament. Fitting that what could be the final Owl tournament could have that same issue. Uh, There you have it. That's a breakdown of the drama around the Overwatch League meta right now. Of course, the interesting thing about all of this is that the league had been maybe suspiciously quiet about this so far. Now, yes, um, you know, people had been asking, did any credible uh, uh, reporters ask very loudly or did any of them ask the right people? It wouldn't seem so. Now, Liz Richardson also uh, is, you know, I believe correct me if I'm wrong, anyone in the audience, but I believe self-identifies as a former journalist. Uh, she did used to work for .esports.com and uh, just this season recently took a step back from esports journalism. But she obviously has contacts within the league. She was, in my opinion, one of the best reporters around the Overwatch League, um, although I do appreciate a lot of the other ones who work at uh, .esports, um, as well as a handful at Dexerto and GG Recon. But anyways, um, she obviously has the contacts, so... You know, she waited till the right time and she asked the question and obviously got this answer. So it is, I mean, as Michael points out there, it is kind of frustrating as a fan of this league uh, that this is happening yet again. At the same time, do I have much skin in the game at this point? No, not in, not anymore. I don't, that's for sure. After this past weekend's play, um, I certainly do not. I would have been, I don't know if I would have been more upset or if I would have been equally as apathetic as I am right now, Uh, but this weekend was a little bit crushing, that's for sure, for a Toronto fan, for a Canadian Overwatch League fan, Um, but in any case, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, so... 
It is very interesting, though, because, of course, when I started watching the Overwatch League, it was Season 2. It was the height of GOATS meta, uh, of course, with with GOATS coming to an end just before the uh, the Grand Finals. And, of course, we also saw Rolllock introduced. And, of course, we also saw Sigma drop, who rapidly uh, or, or dramatically changed the meta into a very double shield meta with Orisa and Sigma. Um, and unfortunately, the Vancouver Titans placed second after the San Francisco Shock, after the dominant San Francisco Shock, I should say. Um, it wasn't like Vancouver put up a good fight even in the Grand Finals. Unfortunately, I believe they lost 4 nothing um, to the San Francisco Shock. But again, this is nothing new because after that, I believe it was the following season when we saw Decay with the Washington Justice and the rise of the Roadhog meta, uh, which saw the Washington Justice make it into playoffs off of Decay's Roadhog play. Uh, and I don't recall how deep of a run they made. I don't think they made it very far into the playoffs, but the only reason they were able to get there was because of the signing of Decay on a 30-day temporary contract. It might have even been before they implemented 30 days, and it might have been a 14-day temporary contract. But anyways... We've seen this before. It's truly nothing new. Um, and it's also interesting because at the start of this season, uh, this this season of Overwatch League, I believe they, the team talked about how they would be following a specific patch schedule, uh, which would suit the Overwatch League a little bit more. And it feels a little bit like uh, they've done their best to stick to that, but it also feels a little bit like poor planning. It to me it kind of kind of screams couldn't we just delay this uh this mid mid-season balance patch until season seven and yes the answer would be this is because of the overwatch league but i don't know that i see anything wrong with that uh just keep it all on the same keep it all on the up and up um but unfortunately that's not what they're doing so anyways the overwatch league gonna overwatch league Moving on to our next story, we're going to head over to ggrecon.com with an article, of course, by Sasha Heinisch, who, if you don't know, is, of course, or goes by Yiska. Um, this article reads, Owl confuses players and talent after lack of communication, posted on September 18th. That was today. After a season of rule hiccups and fallouts resulting from those, the Overwatch League season format has once again caused controversy in its community. After the conclusion of the play-ins, the playoff bracket draft caused noticeable confusion for the broadcast talent, the fans, and even for some of the teams and their staff. For Season 6, eight teams have qualified for the Overwatch League season playoffs. The Atlanta Reign, Florida Mayhem, and Houston Outlaws had already directly qualified due to their performances in the regular season, landing in the first three spots on the North American region's leaderboards. On the APAC side, the Hangzhou Spark, the Solon, and the Soul Infernal had locked in through an unusual system of only their knockout stage performances during the two bracket play portions of the region. Moreover, last chances were given to two teams in North America and one team in the Asia region to qualify through the plans. The spots were taken by the Boston Uprising, London Spitfire, and the Dallas Fuel, rounding out the 18 postseason competitions set to take place in Toronto. All that remained after the North American plans concluded was to seed the teams into a bracket and pair them up against their opponents. The first issue fans took became 
the first issue fans took became apparent with the format as the bracket did not adhere to strict double elimination play for the entirety of the competition. Instead, the two the, sorry, the teams would start out in a double elim format that would lead into a single elim model for the top four teams, requiring a third slash fourth place match to settle the last podium spot. Scrolling on down, the draft in its order became another large point of discussion within the Overwatch esports community. For the draft, a unique system that allowed teams to pick opponents they do not want on their part of the bracket was chosen. This could have theoretically created various compelling strategic scenarios for teams, which unfortunately were never elaborated upon during the broadcast due to large-scale confusion on the nature of the draft order. During the knockout stages in the APAC region, the Hangzhou Spark won both of their brackets in spring and summer respectively. Fans, as well as some managers of the Overwatch League franchises, assumed that this would afford them the first draft pick from the APAC region over the Soul Infernal, who had only finished first and third during their spring and summer knockout runs. During the draft, it turned out that instead, the Infernal had been given the, APAC, the first APAC seed due to their superior performance in the qualifying stages over the Spark. After the first draft pick that the Rain had earned for themselves due to a victory at the Midseason Madness and a top finish in the North American regular season, the Infernal had instead been given the second choice, sending the London Spitfire into Atlanta's bracket. Even broadcast talent member Jake was visibly confused, also stating that he believed Spark would have to be the APAC region's first seed. Jake's assumption appeared to be in good company as even the general managers of various team be teams believed this to be the case. For the playoff qualification, the Overwatch League had prioritized average knockout stage performance, and it therefore stood to reason that this would also be, be the determining factor in the seeding order. This turned out not to be the case. Earlier this season, the Hangzhou Spark had been in a similar situation with the league, also surrounding an issue regarding the seeding in the APAC region. Spark general manager Gray had called out the league over its rule inconsistencies. After the draft for the playoffs for the season playoffs concluded, Gray was part of an interview during which he also stated that he was unaware that his team had not earned the first seed for the Asia region, forcing them to play against Atlanta Reign in their first match of the playoffs. The Overwatch League has not made its tiebreaker, seeding, or draft rules available to the public. The Overwatch League playoffs are set to start on September 28th in Toronto, Canada at the Madame Athletic Centre. The local team and host of, hosts of the event, Toronto Defiant, had failed to qualify for playoffs due to a loss against the London Spitfire in the last round of the playoffs. Okay, thanks, Yiska. Rub it in. Anyways, that was a lot, which is to say, if you watched the broadcast, if you watched... Uh, the broadcast after, of course, the Overwatch League matches had finished, you very quickly saw the confusion uh, that Yeska talks about with Jake there. It And it, I wouldn't even say it was just Jake. It sure seemed like everybody else was confused as well. Um, Zoe, Danny, and, and Johnny, of course. It really was a sight to behold um, because then, of course, they announce what's going on and uh, they're basically playing off the screen uh, which shows the bracket at large, zooms into one section of the bracket, and then shows the team that is going to be uh, playing against whomever. And then they bring on the two players, uh, or the two members of each team to talk and, you know, do a short little interview of, oh, so you've been matched with this team, are you scared? Or how do you feel about being matched with this team? And that kind of thing. And it was very apparent right from the start that none of these, uh, none of these organization members uh, knew what had really happened. 
they were all confused. It sounds like everyone was on the same page as Jake um, and understood the seeding to be the Hangzhou spark with the first seed, um, and it did not happen. And of course, as Yiska points out here, the Hangzhou spark already took issue with this earlier in the season as well when they were kind of screwed over by the league. So nothing new. Um, both the general manager of, or no, I believe it was uh, head coach Gator of the Atlanta Reign, and I think it was the general manager Gray of the Hangzhou Spark that they had on first there. Both of them said they, they were not expecting that, um, but it is what it is. So again, just another, just another day in the Overwatch League, uh, just another day of confusion and strange decisions and uh, things like that going on. One thing I've not checked, actually, I'm going to pull up real quick here. Uh, let's go to Twitter.com or, yeah, I'm just going to go to Twitter.com. I'm going to check Sean Miller's account here real quick. This is, of course, Sean Miller is the head of the Overwatch League. And I just want to see, yeah, he has not actually tweeted anything out since uh, the matches ended on Sunday there. He, he's, you know, tweeted a few replies, a few, you know, hey, uh, uh, good job to the London Spitfire and things like that. But he's not actually commented on on this situation is the point I'm saying. So... Anyways, very, very, very interesting. So, yeah, that's what we're looking at there. Who really knows what happens in these decisions? Um, as Yiska also points out there, there's a lot that isn't made public. Uh, so we just don't know where some of these decisions come from or some of these plans. It is what it is. We roll with the punches. We see where things go and we see where they fall. Now, that's going to be it for our news segment of the show. So we're going to move on over, and we're going to talk about the Overwatch League matches that were. This is it. Push forward. All right. So I'm actually going to pull up my my matches from this past weekend on two different fronts here. Because, of course, oh, that's very interesting. Uh, the app doesn't seem to be showing me, or sorry, not the app, um, the Overwatch League website doesn't seem to be showing me all of uh, the matches that occurred. Um, so I'm just going to pull it up on my phone as well. There we go. September 16th, 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 17th. Okay, it doesn't seem like anybody wants to show me. It doesn't matter. Uh, the, 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 the website, as well as the app, are a little bit confused right now because uh, this is showing me that there's a live match right now ongoing this very moment maybe they're live on youtube replaying it or something i'm confused anyways I'm, I'm i'm pulling up youtube just to check this out here overwatch league no they're 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 not live right now so i don't know what is going on here on the website it's a little broken right now but let's recap we kicked things off of course on saturday september 16th uh with our hang on a second here Okay, sorry about that. The Overwatch League website is totally, totally borked when you try and look at the previous schedule right now. So I've had to go ahead and find this over on Liquipedia, which does show things a little bit more concisely. So let's just start with the East and recap uh, what happened this past weekend. So games did kick off on September the 15th in the East. Um, that would have been, what, Friday, I believe? Yes, Friday, September 15th. Uh, of course, it was a double elim bracket to determine the uh, ultimate champion who would go on to 
qualify for playoffs. So we started things off on September the 15th. I'm not going to say the times because it doesn't really matter right now. Uh, with the Dallas Fuel getting a 3-0 win over the Shanghai Dragons, sending Shanghai to the lower bracket. The Seoul Dynasty then got a 3-0 win over the Guangzhou Charge, sending Guangzhou to play Shanghai. Shanghai uh, then played the Guangzhou Charge and lost 3-2, of course, eliminating your former champions, the Shanghai Dragons, from contention. Then in the upper bracket final, we had the Dallas Fuel take on the Seoul Dynasty and take that win with a 3-0, of course, sending Dallas to the qualifying match and sending the Seoul Dynasty to the lower bracket final against the Guangzhou Charge. The Seoul Dynasty then beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0, which eliminated Guangzhou, and their team is now out of contention as well. And in the qualifying match, the Dallas Fuel then beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-1. And of course, that means that the Dallas Fuel are your Eastern Region uh, play-in champs and will be coming to the Overwatch League Grand Finals. Um, for me personally, I definitely would have been rooting for the Dallas Fuel or the Seoul Dynasty. I would have liked if either of those teams came. Um, Seoul Dynasty... Uh, mostly because I like their color scheme the best out of the Overwatch League teams. Um, and I would love to get some merch for them. Hopefully there's still some presence there, but also as a sort of sort of casual fan of the Dallas Fuel um, and with the roster that Dallas has and the history that, um, that Rush has with the league and everything like that, they have some legendary players on that team. So, uh, And of course, former champions as well. Um, it'll be very exciting to see them coming. And now that we know, of course, we are entering a Zarya meta, it will be very exciting to see, as Yiska pointed out in his article there. Um, oh, it wasn't Yiska, was it? Uh, I forget who it was. Wait a sec, I've got it right here. Michael Zar, I believe. Yes, Michael Zar of .esports.com. As he said, it will be very exciting to see Hanbin pulling out his stellar Zarya again. So, exciting stuff. The Dallas Fuel will be joining us in Toronto. Over in the West, this is where things get sad and disappointing. We'll start things off, of course, uh, let me just figure out which matches we need to talk about here. Things started off with the lower bracket final, I believe, lower bracket quarterfinal, sorry, where we saw the San Francisco Shock take on the Vancouver Titans. Vancouver came out a swinging and managed to eliminate the San Francisco Shock 3-0. That was goodbye to the San Francisco Shock. That's right. For the first time in Overwatch League history since, uh, you know, the league was... Uh, as large as it is, the San Francisco Shock did not qualify for the playoffs. An utterly disappointing season from the San Francisco Shock, um, especially with all the hype around the roster they had. After they had um, a great performance last season, not necessarily the most stellar, but a great performance last season, and then, of course, they removed almost every piece they had, uh, I believe with the exception of Finn and Proper, um, just an utterly disappointing season from them on, on this side of things. So in our other lower bracket quarterfinal, we had the Washington Justice taking on the London Spitfire. Now this is of course where the London Spitfire started their reign of terror and they beat the Washington Justice 3-2. Then of course we had our upper bracket final where the Boston Uprising took on the Toronto Defiant and Toronto brought them so close to the very edge but ultimately Toronto lost in a 3-2 matchup. Uh, that meant Boston Uprising, of course, were then qualified to go to playoffs. So the Boston Uprising are a lock. It was 
a tooth and nail match. Toronto fought to the very end and really I thought they had clutched it out. If I'm if I'm being totally honest, that very last map, that very last overtime push uh haunts my memory right now because um Toronto fought hard. I mean, so did Boston, but Toronto fought hard. Boston looked I would say cleaner and more dominant for a lot of the match. But when Toronto looked good, they looked good. The final map, of course, I believe was uh, Circuit Royale. And both teams managed to uh, full cap the map. We then went into extra rounds. Toronto had this amazing, amazing uh, attack where they did manage to actually get a full point. that Past that first checkpoint, they started to come around the, uh, the switchback there. Um, and they actually made some extra progress there and it was all looking super good for them it really and truly in my mind looked like they would have that locked up and then unfortunately Boston just managed to do the same thing and with I believe less of a time bank and just did it a tiny bit better and ultimately they took the win sending Toronto to the lower bracket final after the performance Toronto had there I didn't think they could be beat. I thought it was a lock, them going to their own playoffs. That takes us back to the lower bracket. So we then have our lower bracket semifinal, which is the Vancouver Titans against the London Spitfire. And boy, when I tell you, it was disappointing that Toronto got sent to the lower bracket, but at least there was some positivity on the horizon in what could be the Vancouver Titans facing up facing off against the Toronto Defiant for the fourth time this season in another battle for Canada, uh, you know, the one with the most on the line. Boy, oh boy, was it heart-wrenching to see the London Spitfire beat the Vancouver Titans 3-2. And again, another uh, a stellar match from the Vancouver Titans. Honestly, these first three matches uh, for both the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans were outstanding uh toronto again toronto looked like they fought so hard against boston you know it was just a flip of a coin that decided it for them uh that decided the loss for them but vancouver man vancouver looked great uh against san francisco they didn't show any weakness against the london spitfire unfortunately they they did fight tooth and nail and london just London is infuriating, honestly. In my humble opinion, them playing the off meta is just throwing every team off their <laughs> off their balance, and uh, unfortunately, it's working for London. So London comes out on top, 3-2. We then move to the lower bracket final, where the promised ones, the Toronto Defiant, the super team of American Tornado, facing off against the London Spitfire, the super team of the British Hurricane, of course. Two legendary contenders teams, uh, from different regions facing off at least one more time to determine who gets the final playoff spot. And of course, the London Spitfire managed to take it 3-1. That's right. London wins three matches this weekend, uh, two back-to-back, and they send Toronto packing uh, to their own home where they will get to attend the Overwatch League Grand Finals from the stands, not from the stage. And as I mentioned, just a weekend of disappointing losses. Uh, Vancouver's first win obviously started things off 
great. You couldn't have asked for a better performance from them. Obviously, with it being a 3-0. Toronto's first match, absolutely outstanding. Unfortunately, not the result we wanted, but ultimately a very strong showing, and I had very little doubt in my mind. Then the disappointment sets in with Vancouver losing to London and Toronto losing to London, and now London is going to the playoffs. Um, The one positive takeaway I can glean from this is that London has been matched against the Atlanta Reign, sorry, against the Boston Uprising, who of course have already beat them, and we now know we're going into this Zarya meta, which again, you know, arguably does London continue to play what they have been playing? Perhaps. Does it counter things? Perhaps, but can a team like Boston beat the London Spitfire? Man, I don't really like the Boston Uprising, but man, I hope so. <laughs> if there's a team I don't want to win uh, the Overwatch League Grand Final this year, it is the now the London Spitfire. I, I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying it, but they just eliminated two of my teams. Um, so now I've got it out for them, and I do not want to see them take it. But that's where I'm at right now. So all of that brings us to our schedule for the Grand Finals. Of course, taking place, uh, kicking things off on Thursday, September 28th. Now, I'm not going to do pickums this week because I will, of course, have time to record one more episode before I leave for the Grand Finals. Uh, That will be coming out a week from today or less than a week from today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, So I'll do my pickums then because I want to give things a little more time to settle. I don't want to just bet against London because I am angry with them for eliminating my two of, you know, two of my favorite teams. Um, And I also want to kind of hear some of the scuttlebutt around the Zarya meta and how the teams are performing, uh, especially these couple of teams that won't have that much time to prepare uh, under these metas, right? So I'm letting things settle a little bit before I do my pickups. But that said, I can run you through the schedule. So Things, of course, kick off on Thursday, September 28th at 11 a.m. This is Mountain Time, of course, with the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Atlanta Rain. Again, not the matchup that either of those teams expected, but a matchup that has seen Atlanta win at least once earlier in this season. Again, the meta is a question mark. Um, I'm not too familiar with the Hangzhou Spark. In fact, even as I think about it right now, I want to say their main t- or their tank is Gushway? Is that right? That is right. Uh, I don't know how Gushway is uh, <laughs> on the Winston. So, uh, sorry, Gushway is an excellent Winston. I don't know how Gushway is on the Zarya. Um, so that's yet to be determined. That said, Hawk and Donghack on Zarya. Uh, maybe we got something there. Um, Donghack obviously has been one of the more impressive rookies this season, very likely your rookie of the year, um, although propped up by a team that is uh, very strong. So anyways, should set up for an interesting match. At 12.30 p.m., we then see the Dallas Fuel take on the Soul Infernal. Of course, two teams that, again, as someone who has not followed the Eastern region this season, two teams I'm looking forward to seeing play. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Hangzhou Spark play as well. But this is an East versus East matchup, so it should be very exciting to see. Of course, Dallas Fuel, as I mentioned before, a storied uh, organization in the league, some top-tier talent, uh, obviously one of the greatest tanks of all time, leading them in Hanbin. 
Um, so very exciting stuff there. The Soul Infernal, um, although by name, not necessarily a storied franchise, of course, by history, a storied franchise, because this is the Philadelphia fusion of old reborn as the Soul Infernal. Um, and with a pretty stellar lineup, honestly, Mag is a great tank um, and someone that uh, has been around the league for a while. MN3 and Zest, obviously, they're two DPS players from last season that were really standout that they re-signed. Uh, very much looking forward to seeing how they play. And then Fixa and Skewed on the main support and flex support, respectively. Uh, both stellar um, support players that I'm really looking forward to seeing. So... Moving on from there at 2 p.m., we have the Boston Uprising taking on the London Spitfire. Boston, of course, coming out uh, as the champions of our play-in bracket, our play-in uh, upper bracket final. Um, I mean, what is there to say about Boston? Of course, we've talked about this all season long. Boston, the, the over-40 team uh, of this season, but ultimately legendary players across the board almost. I think the, the only one that I would point to as a sort of not legendary player is Kalios on tank, but you've got Smurf on tank, you've got Birdring on DPS, you've got Decay on DPS, you've got uh, Lee Jaegong, Iziaki, and Twilight on your support lineup. Like, come on. I, I hope we get to see Twilight play. That would be fantastic. I'm, I'm a pretty big Twilight simp. Um, I would love to see him get a chance to show up on stage. Unfortunately, the meta doesn't seem to suit him right now but ultimately it would be just fantastic to see him play so anyways and then of course taking on the london spitfire that i want crushed um i don't suspect it'll be too difficult a task for them to crush them but uh it should still be interesting to see london play of course london yes you know uh british hurricane they do have this whatever a little bit of storied history currently blah 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 whatever anyways moving on i'm angry with london then at 3.30 p.m., we have the Houston Outlaws taking on the Florida Mayhem again. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can only repeat myself so many times. The teams that are coming to the grand finals here are pretty well across the board legendary teams in their own right. Um, looking at the rosters on these teams that have been eliminated, you know, a part of me has to say these are the best of the best that are coming to the grand finals. Um, yeah, there, there are a few standouts that were on other teams that unfortunately will not be making it. Um, but these, a lot of these players are sort of the, the best of the best. These are players that have been around the league for quite a while at this point, um, and deserve to be here. You know, Houston outlaws, we got fearless. We got happy. We got Pelican. We got violet. We got shoe. That roster is all-star caliber. The Florida mayhem, someone merit checkmate chorong and rupaul like florida is almost the odd man out here and they've got some top tier talent um it'll be awesome to see someone play uh it'd be great to see merit take on the houston outlaws um just because of course he played for them before um chorong it'll actually be really exciting to see him in toronto because of course He's coming home, right? That's where he was last season. Uh, he was playing for the Toronto Defiant and was not able to make much happen with them. And of course, now he finds himself in, you know, on one of the best rosters in the league. So anyways, that is your Thursday, September 28th matchup. Of course, all those matches happen. Um, that is the uh, West 
and east brackets now yes it's not literally west and east teams in both of those brackets of course it is a little bit mixed um, but we do see these teams playing through their their own brackets and uh, moving on to uh, losers rounds and winners rounds we won't know what happens until we know what happens on the 28th so you know coming into the 29th is when we'll we'll see see or hear more about what's going to happen we will also have four matches on the 29th and then right now the pickums or uh whatchamacallit actually only shows me only shows me that much of the bracket i can't actually see more maybe if i click on pickums it'll let me see more it'll let me see the whole bracket here we go it does let me see the whole bracket if i do that so anyways it's going to be an exciting time i'm very much looking forward to it and i'm getting very hyped and very excited mostly excited to see london crushed but in any case that's where now, I don't have much more to say, and I'd actually like to eat some dinner. It's a late dinner night tonight for me. So let's move this thing on over to the outro. I feel greatly empowered. Well, 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 here we are at the end of episode 126 of One Man Watchpoint. This episode will be called Owl Grand Finals Are Set. And of course, thank you so much for listening to One Man Watchpoint. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Follow me over on Twitter where you can tweet at me. You can send me your thoughts, questions, concerns, topics, whatever you've got about Overwatch, about the Overwatch League, about video games in general, I'd love to bring it to the show and talk to you about it. If you have anything you'd like to ask in preparation for Grand Finals or anything you'd like me to be thinking about while I'm at Grand Finals, please send me a message over on Twitter. My DMs are open. Uh, I'm happy to keep those things in mind. I'm probably going to take like a notebook or something, uh, sort of a journal, uh, just to have something to jot things down as they come to mind um, and, and kind of collect my thoughts there. Thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, find One Man Watchpoint on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So leave us a follow. Tell a, Nope. Give us a follow. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. All that jazz. And, of course, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, uh, which is your premier source for everything. Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. We'll be talking tomorrow about everything that happened this past weekend. And I'm sure I'll say a lot of the things that I said on today's episode about how much I despise London right now. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it for us. We'll catch you next week for one more episode before the 2023 Overwatch League Grand Finals. Uh, bye bye Oh, you shouldn't have.